Also, if this is your first time here at New Life, we want to say, welcome home. Guys, stop off at the Welcome Center. We got a gift for you that we want you to have with some information in it that can help you take the next steps as far as getting plugged into here at our church, okay? So if you're sitting at the right, my right over here, we have buckets at the end, okay? And those are used to collect our giving. And so we're going to do that right now, but I just want you to know that if this is your first time or you're here, that this isn't a money grab. This isn't for you. This is for those that call New Life Home that want to invest in what God is doing here at our church, okay? So bow your... There's no buckets. Whoa. We'll do that at the end of service, all right? So, all right. Well, moving forward... <laughs> Guess who was supposed to get those buckets out? That was me. (laughs) I'm doing other things. Sorry about that. We'll get that out. We'll take care of the giving after service, okay? Well, I'm just going to jump right in, okay? See, today we're continuing our series called Forward, where we've been discussing what it looks like for you and I to move forward in what? In freedom. Freedom from being stuck in, in the life issues that are roadblocking us from moving forward into the life that God has provided for us and that he has called for us to live. And last week, Pastor Jeremy talked about moving forward in forgiveness. And I'm telling you, it was a great message that I think pricked many of our hearts to go and move forward and take the first steps towards forgiving somebody in our life that has been or is still hard to love, right? That's a tough one right there. And this morning, we're going to talk about how to find the courage to take the next steps, the next right steps towards moving forward through anxiety. Yeah, anxiety is a heavy one. See, it's becoming more and more of a household word and conversation topic, isn't it? Many of us struggle with this to some degree. I work with students and young people all the time, and one of the biggest things that surfaces is their anxiety, their worry about the things, and their extreme worry. See, the statistics alone show how anxiety is affecting so many people, young and old, and keeping them from living a life free from it. They're stuck, and they're struggling to move forward in life. See, listen to these recent 2023 statistics from Forbes Health. First one is this, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S. and affect over 40 million adults, or that's 19.1% of the population. It's almost a quarter of the population. Check this one out. Young people are more likely to experience symptoms of anxiety than older adults, with nearly 50% of those between the ages of 18 and 24 reporting depressive disorder and anxiety symptoms. Check this one out. Women are more than twice as likely than men to experience an anxiety disorder. And the last one is anxiety disorders are often very treatable, but more than 60% of people do not seek treatment for it. 60%, they're talking medical treatment, talking to somebody, medicines or whatever, 60% are living their lives in this place of anxious thoughts all the time. Many of us have experienced a fear and worry that thrusts us into this place of stress and tension that can sometimes lead us to this debilitating state of not being able to handle even our daily tasks, right? Not only are we physically stuck, but our minds are racing in so many directions, trying desperately to figure out a solution to the problem. Am I the only one that's been in that place before? 
It's a hard place to be. And it's in those moments we feel like we're on an island by ourselves with no one around to help us. And doubt and worry kick in and start thrusting and rushing at us. And the little bit of faith that we do have to fight that off, it's like holding a toothpick instead of a sword, right? It's hard. So as Christians, what do we do with our anxious thoughts? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle our anxious thoughts? Is it just a part of life that we have to accept and endure? We just have to learn to live with it? Right? No, that wouldn't be right. And I don't think that's the case. Let's listen to what Jesus said to his followers. John 14, 27 says this, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. Listen to that part. It's the peace the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me. King Jesus, my Lord, Lord, I stand before you, Lord, just grateful and thankful to be able to be your mouthpiece this morning. God, I pray that your word just comes through me, Lord, to the hearts of those that need to hear this. God, thank you for being present all the time and being ever powerful, Lord, to do all things in our life. So, Lord, we invite you here with us to work in and through us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's spend a little time looking at God's word this morning to see how he says we should move forward through anxiety. And so open up your Bibles. Go ahead and open them up to the Gospel of Mark. It's in the New Testament. Okay? We're going to open up to chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 35. Okay? Get your spot and go ahead and hold it. And we're going to look at this true account in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus gave on-the-job training to his young disciples or his students to learn how to move past their worry and anxious thoughts. And after this lesson, the disciples grew in their faith and took steps forward towards a life of peace and calm because of him. And that lesson that we're about to read right now, I'm telling you, it's applicable for us today. And it's just as important for us today to pay attention to. So let's check it out. Beginning at Mark chapter 4, verse 35, we're going to read to 38. And he says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Right? Do you think they were scared? I think they were scared, right? Of course. But let me ask you this. Is fear the same as anxiety? It's weird, right? But it's not. It's not. See, fear usually is what we feel from a real threat, like being chased by the neighborhood pit bull down the block as a kid. Or like being captured by a crashing wave while body surfing at Montero Beach and then being slammed on the shore, right? Or like being left home alone on a stormy night as a 10-year-old and getting locked out of your house. Yeah, that's fear, right? Anxiety, anxiety kicks in when we latch it on to what we're fearful of. And now we're focused on the worst case scenario of whatever we're facing, 
however big or however small it is. And now we're obsessing over it. And what does it do? Our fear skyrockets through the roof. It's right there. Guys, you remember that list that I just shared with you a minute ago about those fears? <laughs> I think some of you put it, put it together. Those are actually some of my real fears that I went through as a kid. I really got chased by the neighborhood pit bull standing on top of a car, screaming my head off, asking anybody to help me. Yeah, yeah. I really got slammed by a wave thinking I was a professional body surfer. And after that, I never did it again. <laughs> I learned my lesson. But it's the last one. It's the last one that I latched my anxiety to, and that's the one of being left home alone and locked outside of my house on a stormy night. It stuck with me. You see, when I was about 10 years old, my dad was home, me and my dad were home alone, and I guess he decided to go to the store. And I'm thinking he's gonna go down to the corner store, which is literally like eight houses down the block on the corner. And I'm like, yo, dad, grab me one of those hostess lemon pies. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those little lemon pies, I love them. Because I'm thinking he's going to my favorite store. And he's like, okay, he goes. And time goes by and time goes by. And I'm sitting there. And it's late. It's dark. It's raining really hard. I'm home alone. So I start getting worried about my dad. So what do I do? Same thing any other kid would do. We go up and look for him, right? So I got up, ran out the house, didn't even grab a jacket, ran down the street, hit the corner. I looked at the store, and it was completely black, dark, no lights. No cars, nobody around, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what do I do? I got scared even more. And so I ran back up to the house, ran up the stairs, I come to the door, and it's locked. And now I can't even get in, so I'm a 10-year-old boy, stuck outside, probably past 10 o'clock sometime, cold, wet, and scared. And so luckily, I had enough brains to go to my, my neighbors, knocked on the door, woke them up, called my grandfather, he came to get me, and sat with me until my dad showed up. Yeah, there's a lot more to that story. <laughs> but that is where my anxiety started, and I latched onto that. Because, see, what happened was in the weeks and months following that, when my parents would leave me home alone to watch my younger sisters, guess what I would be doing the whole time? be looking out the front window, crying uncontrollably, wondering and hoping and wishing my, kid, my, my, my parents would come home right now, wondering if they're even going to come home. My sisters are looking at me like, what's wrong with this kid? Yeah, that really happened. And it kept me stuck with anxiety for a very long time into my adult years. And it played a major factor in my decisions and behaviors as an adult. See, when we struggle with anxious thoughts... We've already written the end of the story, right? To the worst possible outcome. And then we begin to live in that space that seems to be collapsing all around us. And guys, and it's in that space where it's collapsing all around us where we begin to live without hope. We're living without hope. That's the total opposite thing that God wants us to live with. But that's where anxiety and worry will take us to this place of darkness where we're living without hope. But we know that that's not God's heart and desire for us, right? We know that that's not his heart for us. You see, anxiety is a real thing. And it's hard to get a handle on it if you try to work through it on your own. And I know there's medical professionals, resources, and medicines available for us. And they certainly serve an important role 
and help us with our mental health. But I want to talk this morning about the peace that goes beyond all the world's understanding. A peace that can only be found in Jesus. It's the only peace that I want to talk about right now. Now, our anxiety might not disappear in one day, but if we begin to make and take these steps, it will begin to fade as we begin to put our complete trust in him and his care over our lives. Begin to fade away. So write this for point one. Anxiety fades when I fully trust in God's care. Looking back at verse 38, the disciples asked Jesus if he even cared that they were going down, right? I mean, I'm sure these guys had heard or maybe even seen firsthand other boats sink in storms like this, and they probably witnessed the crew going down with the boats. So the storm that they were seeing, the thing that they're in was legit. Their fear was legit, And at that moment when they woke Jesus up, they weren't thinking about Jesus doing anything about the storm or performing any miracles. Why do you think that is? It's because they were too focused and bothered about what he wasn't doing. They were too focused and bothered about what he was not doing. What was he doing? He was sleeping on a cushion pretty comfortably, right? So he was sleeping. Now, don't we do the same thing? When a storm is raging in our life and our home is being shaken or our job or our relationship or our finances and things just seem to be hopeless, what's the first thing we begin to do? We begin stressing and worrying and questioning God. We ask ourselves, does he even see what's happening? Does he even see the hurt that I'm going through? Or is he sleeping below deck without a care in the world? Right? I know I do that. Times get hard. I, I, I hate to say that, but I go straight to that. Like, where are you at, God? And we start taking an inventory. Well, you know, I did this last week, and I did that last week, and you know, you should be doing this, and how come you're not doing that? We start trying to make and reason this. That's not the case. I know it's tough, but you need to know that that way of thinking will always lead to anxiety, and then the anxiety, it will begin to lead you instead of allowing the spirit of the living God to lead and direct our steps and to guide our thoughts. That's what we do. And that's God's heart and desire for us because we have the hope of a savior that cares for us deeply and will protect our hearts and minds through anything we face. We have the hope of a savior. We don't have to live in this hopeless state. We're in that dark place and the walls are crashing down before us and our hearts racing uncontrollably and we just don't want to face anything. And we start slipping into this dark place. We have to remember that we have a savior. You guys realize that? He is here to save and he is here for us. We don't have to live in that dark place. Listen to this in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. Those aren't my words. That's in the Bible. Those are instructions. Give all your worries and cares to God. See, one way we can give our worries and cares to God is through prayer. So we have that kind of access to him. 
But I'm talking about a committed effort to have some real one-on-one time with God, time that you put aside to really talk to him and get to know his true nature, which is beautiful and good. That is who he is. See, it's in these one-on-one times with God where I'm learning to keep it real with him. And I take him up on it. I literally, verbally tell God in my voice that I'm going to give him my worries about my health, my kids, my job, my marriage, my finances, because I know he cares about me. I say it out loud. I say these things because I think I need to repeat them in myself. Have you ever had to say something to repeat it to kind of get it in? I say this literally out loud every morning because I want this to stick in my heart. It needs to stay in our hearts. We have to have that kind of commitment and belief in what we're saying here. And you all have access to him like that too. Each and every one of us here. Let your prayer time with him be personal. And let it resonate inside of your heart and mind. Maybe even write it down in a journal and read it throughout the day from time to time. Or what I love to do is I go on walks, put my earbuds on, listen to some music, and I will center my thoughts and my focus on the things of Jesus and the things that he has. I'll look around and see the trees. If I'm even feeling really down, I'll look at creation. I mean, you can't, around here, you can look at the hills over there and just see how pretty they are, right? I mean, there's things that we can do to reframe our thoughts in doing these things. See, I know that he desires for me to come to him with those things. Guys, we are not bugging him with our problems. We are not coming at him just over and over. He desires to hear that from us. So choose day by day, even moment by moment, to believe that God truly and dearly cares for you. And when you begin to trust in God's care, I'm telling you, you will begin to find freedom and courage to take the next steps towards moving forward through anxiety, to get past it, to move forward through it. Doesn't mean it's gonna like disappear. We don't serve a genie in the bottle God, but we serve a God that will walk and come alongside us. He will go before us and he will be with us at the same time. That's the God that we serve. Let's continue reading, and and let's see how Jesus responded when they woke him up from his nap, okay? Verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Now, picture that for a second. It went from deadly, crashing waves, slamming against the boat, filling it up, to a, a great calm, not just a calm, a great calm. That means the water was still. No waves, no wind. Just the boat sitting there. Imagine that for a minute. A great calm. It's a powerful scene right that, right there. I mean, if Jesus can calm storms like that 2,000 years ago, let me ask you, do you think he can still do that today? Absolutely. His power and authority is the same then as it is today and as it will be in the future, in the days to come. It never changes. I also love how Jesus was gentle with them, and he didn't yell at them, right? He didn't tell them to be still and calm down. Instead, he went straight for the need that was troubling them, and he reassured them of his caring heart for them. And church, I'm here to tell you right now, 
that he does the same for us today. He'll see our need and he'll see our hurt and he'll come straight to fill that void right there for us today. And my hope is that as a church family, we can begin to take steps forward into believing this. I mean, truly believing this, not just thinking it's a cool idea or a concept, but truly believing this and fully trusting in God's care over every aspect of our lives. That is my hope today, that we truly believe this. That's the hard part, but it's possible. And that's where God wants us to be so that anxiety can begin to fade away in our lives. Anxiety will begin to fade also. Write this down for number two. When I truly engage with God's power. I truly engage with God's power. See, just knowing of God's power and authority and that we have access to it doesn't mean that we're engaging with it. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like sitting in that old school muscle car with all the horsepower under the hood, and you're revving and, and hitting that motor, making all those cool throaty sounds that all the guys love to hear, and it's sitting in park, but you never drop it in gear. You never hit it and hit, engage a transmission. You never experience the full power of that motor in that car, right? So here's a question I ask you, and I guess we could ask ourselves this, each and every one of us. Am I revving the engine or am I engaging with God's awesome power that can lead me to freedom from my anxious thoughts? Am I just revving the engine or am I engaging with God's awesome power that can lead me to freedom from my anxious thoughts? Because we don't want to be revving that engine by itself. Because just knowing that power is available does not mean that we're engaging with it. See, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God 53 times in the book of Matthew. And he often said that the kingdom was what? The kingdom was near, like here, present. You see, the kingdom is not about borders and palaces. See, we're talking about God's realm and his absolute rule, his complete authority and total control where his magnificent power is on full display. That's what we're talking about. And this is what we have access to as children now here on earth, not later, but now, and I believe he talked about this kingdom so much because he wanted those who followed after him to see their lives through a different lens, to see life differently, no longer through the hopeless, dark, and evil ways of the world, but through the freedom, the wholeness, and the power of God's heavenly kingdom. That's the lens he wants us to look through. Let's read on to verse 40. He says, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Jesus didn't say, you guys don't have faith, so you should be ashamed. No. He was telling them with love that there is still something missing. He's telling them and us today that without faith, we have no defenses to stand up against fear. Without faith, hear this, we have no defenses against fear. None. If faith is missing, fear has full access to us. Think about it. Full access because of no faith. But 
when we stand firm, knowing and trusting and believing that God genuinely loves and cares for us, we can let go of the distraction of our worry and begin focusing and engaging with his power during the difficult storms in our life. That can become our focus. And when you fully engage with him, you'll begin seeing the challenges of life through a lens of freedom, wholeness, and the power of God's heavenly kingdom. Even though the storm is raging all around you, your focus will begin to shift from what God is not doing in your situation to focusing on his care and love for you and his mighty power to do all things to calm the storm that's raging in your mind right now. He has all power to do that. And the cool thing is this. After every storm we face in life with Jesus, guess what happens? Our faith begins to grow to another level. This means nothing is wasted. Our trials and challenges are valuable if we choose to allow God to work in and through them to show his glory to encourage others. I say it often. After every hardship and everything that I walk through, every hurt that I have to walk through, it sounds weird, but I fall in love with Jesus more and more after everything that I have to overcome with him. That's what we have. We have that kind of life reassurance that nothing here is a waste. Our faith can grow and go to the next level. This who is this man moment the disciples had after Jesus calmed the storm, revealed a whole new reality about Jesus to them. The rabbi or teacher that they thought they knew just took them to a whole other level in their faith, and he desires to do that with you and I today through the problems and trials that we are facing. He wants to take our faith to a whole other level. My last point is this. Anxiety fades when I genuinely know and trust Jesus. So how do you see Jesus? I mean, Jesus asked his main guys this very question. In Matthew 16, 15, he asked his disciples, he says, but who do you say I am? I mean, it's a good question, one that every one of us needs to answer because of its eternal significance. Right? I mean, lots of people know about God. Even maybe even a lot about God. But let me ask you, is that enough, knowing about God? James 2.19 says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So how do you see Jesus? Because what you and I truly believe about Jesus will guide our decisions and impact our relationships while we face the challenges in life. How we see Jesus determines all of that. Let's read on to hear Peter's response to Jesus with this question. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. There's no question about it. You are the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the one that is our savior, the son of God. Church, I'm telling you, Jesus is more than a good person and a teacher who launched a good religion. He's more than that. If you're thinking like that, that shallow faith won't provide the peace and protection when the wind and waves of life begin crashing down all around you and your home. It's not enough. 
See, Jesus is the son of the living God, our savior who has given, who was given all authority in heaven and earth. And if he can move mountains and calm raging storms, listen to this, he is more than able to move us forward through our anxiety. He is more than able. Maybe this morning is your who is this man moment with Jesus to grow deeper in your faith. And you're ready to bring your worries to God so that you can begin moving forward through this anxiety that has been plaguing you for a long time. It holds you. You feel stuck. You can't move. You're not happy. It leads to other things, depression, all of that stuff. Are you ready to bring it to him? Lay it down to him? Literally do what the scriptures tell you to do to just bring all your cares to him? It's true stuff. That is what we have the ability to do. And I'm asking you, if that is you and if it is, find some one-on-one time with him and ask him to reveal himself to you, to show you who he is, and for him to help you come to a place where you can become knowing, where you can begin knowing him and truly trusting in him. Then, at that point, your faith will begin growing in you and through you, and it'll come out and to encourage others around you. When we leave ourselves totally available to the Holy Spirit doing the work in us, to surrendering it to him, Listen to this scripture, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I'm going to say that again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Gosh, that is a promise. That is something that we can hang our hat on and never let go. See, this scripture right here is very personal to me because as maybe you see, you could tell, I struggle with anxiety, right? And having experienced deep loss and grief, on top of my unresolved anxiety, telling you it messed with me. And I found myself repeating this verse to myself several times a day when I was in that dark place. Several times a day. And over the years, I've learned and am still learning to release my anxious thoughts to God by following what the scripture tells me to do. And in doing so, I'm finding freedom from my anxious thoughts and I'm experiencing peace in the middle of the storms I'm facing in life. And it's not that I don't experience anxiety anymore. That's not it. I am just learning to trust in God's promises so that I don't have to live there very long. I'm learning to trust in God's promises so I don't have to live there anymore and I can move to this place of freedom faster every time. Remember what he's done for you, church. And remember who he is. Listen, he is the son of the living God, our savior, who was given all authority in heaven and earth. And he is more than able to move us forward through our anxiety. That is who he is.
He is the truth, and truth deflates anxiety. Isn't it written somewhere that we will know the truth and the truth will set us what? Free. You can live in freedom from your anxious thoughts and move forward into the fullness of the life God has planned for you without anxiety holding you back. Think about this. Grace-filled input produces peace-filled output. Grace-filled input, the things that I am choosing to focus on, the things that I am focusing on in God, grace-filled input produces peace-filled output. I'm living a life without anxious thoughts. Guys, that's where he wants us to be. Listen to Jesus' own words again. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? That's Matthew 6, 25. Church, look all around you and see and know that God is in control and he is taking care of things. And know and trust that he's gonna take care of you because of who he is. That's what he does. That is his desire and his heart for each and every one of us as his children. As heirs to the throne, we have access to the power to move forward in these things in life that are holding us back. And we're learning this together as a church family. I wanna leave you with this last scripture, kind of as a benediction in a sense, but it says the Lord, Isaiah 58, 11 says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring. That for us and that's what he'll do for us and provide for us bow your heads my lord my king Jesus I, I love you and I thank you for just laying this clearly out for us in your word lord and scripture tells us how we can walk through these things these challenges in life how we can move forward lord Lord, I thank you for the scripture in Mark that shows about this storm that was raging that you calm, Lord, so that others can come to a place of peace. And Lord, I know that you can do the same for us. You can calm the mental storms in our mind down, Lord, to keep us from not being able to function and living in the life that you've called us to live. You can bring us to a place of peace so we can take the next best steps forward, Lord. So Lord, I pray for anyone here right now that is struggling with this, that is maybe resonating in their hearts, Lord, but they are still unsure, unknow, God, about what's happening, um, unknowing about what's happening in their life, God. I pray that you just give them the, the, the confidence and the boldness to take in these first steps, to calling out on you, to spending time with you, to learning what it means to live a life that's free of worry, God, that leads to anxiety. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.